Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And if you've called us together, it means you mean to do good to us. And so here we are, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as you've been hearing throughout, Advent is the most waiting-focused uh, time in the Christian calendar. And that means it has potential to redeem something that efficiency-minded, achievement-driven people really <clears throat> detest. And that is waiting. It can redeem waiting. We do not like to wait. Waiting is wasting time for us. Uh, even times it feels like an infringement on our personal freedom to do what we want to. And it just makes us mad. I read a quote this week that resonated with me. Expecting things to happen quickly makes us impatient. When things take longer, we get angry. And getting angry makes things, makes things seem like they take forever. We're all just getting faster and filled with rage. But there's an exception, and that is when we believe something is worth the wait. And that's where Advent situates us. Because it reminds us that we are waiting for the worthiest thing you could possibly wait for. And that is the return and the appearing of our Maker and our King, our Defender, and our friend, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with his return, the end of division and violence and sickness and sadness and sorrow. And yet our waiting isn't just a then and there thing. It's, not, it's more like this, like you're waiting to get into a great restaurant but as you're in line, they're bringing out appetizers, fortes. That's what the waiting is like. And over the last couple of weeks, we've had some wonderful appetizers. Pastor Russ reminding us that we're waiting and partaking of comfort. Pastor Duke, that the arms of the mighty God and the compassionate God. And Pastor Yancey, the throne that rules over our fears. I needed to hear that. <clears throat> And so this week, we'll close with the idea of God giving strength to the weary, to weary people. And I want to look at it very simply, and that is uh, who receives this strength and how, how it comes to us. So let's look at those two things together. Who receives it? Well, thankfully and obviously, <clears throat> the weary receive it. The weary receive it. 
Now, weariness comes in a lot of forms, a lot of expressions, a lot of causes. And, uh, you know, as modern folk, we love to divide and categorize things. And in some things I was reading about weariness, there were, there were five different categories, but it extends beyond that. There's physical weariness, right? Maybe it's lack of sleep. Or weariness comes from your body changing. Weariness that comes from chronic illness, whether it's acute or prolonged. I read something on uh, Mayo's website, and they said that the top causes for weariness are lack of exercise and depression. Wasn't expecting that. And then there's mental weariness, right? Long day at work, cramming for a test, some problem in your life that's just vexing you and you just keep turning it over in your mind. There's emotional weariness that we feel, the stress and the concern for people that we love. Wish we could jump into their hearts and lives and change them or help them. There's social weariness. For some of us, it's the isolation that we're still experiencing. For others, it's maybe too much people, right? We need a break. And then there's soul and faith weariness. The ongoing trial. Maybe guilt we feel for sin in our lives. Maybe the weariness of feeling like I have to get my acceptance from God by performing to God all sorts of weariness. And for those of us that are located in city, it's even more, right? The pace of life, sensory overload. It doesn't take much to get weary these days. Life is weary. And one of the things that I so appreciate about this book, the Bible, is the way it names and acknowledges weariness. You can read the psalm who says, I am weary with moaning every night. The prophet, our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary with no rest. The apostle Paul saying, feeling utterly burdened beyond our strength. And even the Lord Jesus, so tired in his endless ministry day to day, so exhausted, he falls asleep during a storm in a boat. Weariness comes with our humanity. The term in this text includes, weary, includes both outside pressure and just lack of inner resources. Feeling like I just don't have it inside of me. And as the Bible gives voice to our weariness, it gives us permission. And some of us need permission to say, I'm weary. It's sort of like the character Bilbo when he says, I feel thin, sort of stretched, like butter scraped over too much bread. And with that permission also becomes uh, a release of shame because we're weary. One of the things I love in this passage is the emphasis on youths. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted like in my little exercise place I go to is mostly people half my age. And as I'm huffing and puffing, you know, and I look across and I see someone who's been on the treadmill and they start walking, I'm like, whew, that's good. Man, even yous get tired. 
even though, even though they sweat, right? And what's added even in this passage is this emphasis where it says, young man, it's actually talking about uh, elite military chosen. So it's like saying even Navy SEALs and Army Rangers, even the most dedicated and devoted, get weary. We can release the shame. But where I think I find the most grace in this passage is the way God ministers to weary God gripers, God complainers, because that's where the people are. They've got into exile by their own fix. They're tired and weary, and then they're beginning to say, hey, what's the deal, God? Beginning to voice their complaints against God. And this is the wonderful thing about the God of the Bible, by the way. He lets you have a claim on him. So even when you actually don't deserve the right to say, I expect from you, he gives it to you. The Puritans used to say that uh, God, they used to talk about suing God. Because God had made a promise and a covenant, you can sue God. Right? Even saying it feels like I shouldn't be saying it. So they bring their complaint, you know, my way is hidden from you. And that doesn't mean you just can't see me. It means you're intentionally not looking at me. One of the ways that we affirm people, right, is we say, I see you. This is God saying, they think, you're dead to me. I'm not looking at you. Or my rights have been disregarded. You keep dismissing my case. You keep dismissing my cause, even though I bring it before you day after day. Remember, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. And this is just a reminder to us. Sometimes we think, God, if you were closer, if you weren't distant, they're right next to him. And the first words out of their mouth is, don't you see, don't you care? Right? My cause is disregarded, and he's right there. God comes to the tired and weary. You know, we might say uh, the wangry. You know, or, you know, the hungry and angry is, right, hangry. Well, the weary and angry. He comes to wangry people. And just where we think he wouldn't look or speak to them, what does he do? He says their name, Jacob. Why do you say, oh, Jacob, I haven't forgotten your name. In fact, I know all the sighs and complaints you're saying. I, I'm, I'm reiterating them back to you. He collects our tears in a bottle. He counts the tossings. We're told in Scripture, it's bed at night. One, two, boy, she's tossing a lot tonight. Don't be weary tomorrow. A lot of concern. And so, if you are weary, you're in a good place. You're about ready to receive from the Lord. So how does the strength then come to us? Well, the good news to this is that he gives it. That's what it says. He gives power. He increases strength. He renews strength. That means he doesn't give strength kind of like a thank you gift. You know, a, a thank you gift, right, when you, when you give someone a thank you gift, it's because it feels owed. And even some of our Christmas gifts and birthday gifts feel that way, right? So like, I got to get this person a gift. Christmas, you know, uh, who do I got to buy gifts for? 
But, you know, some of the, the most precious gifts are what I'll call just because gifts. Just because gifts, where someone gives you a gift and you're like, why, what's the reason? Just because. Why does God give strength to the weary? Just because. Not because they did well enough, so he'll give them back a thank you gift. It's because he gives a gracious gift. And I will say a big shift in spiritual growth and a big shift in spiritual confidence is when you begin to understand that God gives to me because he wants to. God gives, he only gives because he wants to. God is the initiator in giving. And it's the same way with strength. He will give strength. And he even helps us know how to open the gift. You know, sometimes little kids, when they're young, you even have to help them open the gift, right? They're like, it's in the gift, and what do you, you know. Or I don't know, you know, about you, I had to open something the other day. You know, you open the things with the heavy plastic on them. You know, and you're just like, if my life depended on this thing, I could not get it open. If there were no scissors around, I know I'm supposed to be able to open this thing. He helps us know how to open something. And so three things he does. One, he reminds us of what we already know. He reminds us of what we already know, what he's already told us. Finding strength isn't about you and I reading the right book or the right steps we find, or if I can do the right thing, or if I can get the latest insight into my condition, or if I can get hold of the latest technology, all these different things, finding strength isn't like that. And it's a good thing because guess what? Weary people are weary. They're tired. They don't have the strength to do what they need to do to get unweary. And it's a good thing because the Lord just says, he doesn't say, you know, you need to know. He says, do you not know? You know this. Have you not known? It's sort of when Moses says to Israel, listen, you don't have to ascend to the heavens. You don't have to cross the sea. The word is near. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. The strength is near. Now, what is it? What's the source of it? It's knowing who God is. It's knowing who God is. Now, when I'm weak and weary, and I don't know about you, there's lots of places I go rather than look at God. Right? We'll think, well, i got to figure out what God is doing. We exert a lot of energy in going, I wonder what he's doing, trying to figure out. Or what I should be doing. Right? Or, or I wonder what I need to get into my life or out of my life. And it's like God just stops and says, look at me. I just want you to look at me. You know me. If you've been connected to God through Jesus Christ, he's saying, you know me. And if you want to be connected to God, you can know him. Even today, you can know him. This is the key to it. This is the strength. The entire mission of God the Father, think about it, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's all about them getting us to know them, right? The Spirit of God is sent, what? To shine a light so we can know Jesus. Jesus shows up so we can know the Father. The Father reveals the Son so he can know, we can know the Son and the radiance of God. The entire mission of God is that we would know who God is. There's a passage in John 14 where Jesus' disciples are starting to get weary 
with fear and trouble. Uh, they, it's dawning on them that he's going to be leaving. And um, he senses that. And he says to them, uh, don't be troubled. I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. And you know the way. Now, listen closely to the dialogue here. Because they're weary and see how he seeks to strengthen them. Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. Brothers and sisters, you know him. You do know him. And then Philip said, well, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? The answer to what they're needing is just to need to see him, to know him. And he's like, I'm here. We don't need new knowledge. And that's what he says to Israel. Do you not know? Have you forgotten? And then he turns, lifts their chin right toward him and said, I'm the everlasting God. That means I don't change. We, we tend to think that God changes based on how we're doing spiritually. If I'm doing better spiritually, he's this God toward me. If I'm not doing well spiritually, he's this God. He's saying, I don't change in my inclination to strengthen you in your weariness. And then he says, I'm the creator. I don't have to abandon my purposes. I don't get weary like you. I don't get tired like you. I have to tell you, um, and it, I, it, there have been many moments in my life, and I, you know, I think it, some of it's you start to bear years of trial and you know, with people you love, or just the burden of ministry or just my body getting but I wake up and I think about everything that's before me and I'm just like I don't think it's in me I don't Lord I like if you're asking me to do this I don't I don't see how I'm going to do this and then you know your mind of course is you know how can I escape right you know our mind go to a bunch of things that we think well maybe this will strengthen me and then I hear the Lord say to me well how about me? Do you think I can do it? I'm like, well, of course, Lord, you can do it. I mean, you know, you're, you're the creator. You're the Lord. You're the everlasting God. And he stops me and he says, okay, what about me in you? What about me in you? You think we can do it? You think if you start the day off, instead of, you know, emotionally forecasting how you're going to be or what you're going to do, for you just to go, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this day based with your attributes and your strength. That is, he is trying to teach us how to carry our weights differently. Have you ever needed someone to teach you how to carry something? You know, sometimes we have to be taught to carry something, or you're going to hurt yourself. Or just, you, know, you don't know how to carry it. I, you know, I, I get a chance to do some musical gigs, and I've got a guitar amp and a guitar and a bag, and oftentimes, you know, it's it's uh it's not like roadies are showing up you know and it's not like and it's not like you even get parking you know so like you're 
you're, you're wheeling things all over the place, and I've got this, you know, dolly, this cart, and, and uh, Cecil, the band leader, some of you know Cecil, drummer, you know, for years he's been like, man, will you, will you get a different cart? Because, you know, that dust down there, and I'm in the middle of a crosswalk, and it falls over, and he's like, you know, embarrassed, we're supposed to be professional musicians. He says, the other musicians, like, email him and go, is he going to get, a, like, a different cart? And so... Uh, we had a gig last week, and I came out with my cart, and he said, hey, yo, leave that inside. And I was like, what? And I showed up, he had got me a new cart. Right? He's like, you don't know how to carry your stuff. I'm going to show you how to carry your stuff. You know, Jesus invites us to come to himself. Come to her heavy, laden, weary. I'm going to teach you a new way to carry. You come to me, and it's, it's actually going to be light. This is the promise of Jesus. But, you know, it's not only the knowledge that he's going to give us this strength that we so need. What really, I think, gets it deep in us, deeply believing, is how he gets it to us. And that is, he brings the strength to us through his weakness and weariness. He becomes baby weak desert weak cross being weak gasping weak he becomes servant weary he becomes sorrow weary he becomes evil weary he becomes wrath weary this is how it comes to us I there's a, a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that always just moves me. And he's talking about, he, he's actually saying it's only when a brother and sister become a burden to us that they really become a brother and sister because they stop being an object. But then he shifts on to God and he says this, the burden of men was so heavy for God himself that he had to endure the cross. God verily bore the burden of men in the body of Jesus Christ, literally and verily, on the cross. But he bore them as a mother carries her child, as a shepherd enfolds a lost lamb that has been found. God took men upon himself, and they weighted him to the ground. God took men upon himself, and they weighted him. brings the strength to us. And he loved to do it. But how does it feel and what's our part? Let me close with that. How does that strength feel? There's a couple different ways. That the, the Hebrew word for power actually relates to having strong bones. And so it's bone deep strength that he's giving. David says in Psalm 32, when he was bearing his sin, his guilt, he said, when I was silent, my bones were wasting. But when he tasted the forgiveness and the grace of God, by the end of it, he's up shouting and singing. Don't underestimate the literal, physical strength that God's grace and favor can give to you. I mean, we're all wired together, right? I, I have seen the grace of God change people in such a way that their outward appearance has changed. 
they do not look like the same people when I first met them. It's bone deep. It's also soaring strength. How do eagles? It mentions eagle soaring. The eagles flap. They don't flap. They soar, right? Right? The columns of air. They circle within rising columns of air and they rise to the heights. I mean, I think oftentimes our version of Christianity is flapping Christianity. Day to day, we're flapping, flapping over lots of stuff. Maybe for some of us, we're really good at flapping. We're like a hummingbird. But one of the ways you begin to taste the gospel and the goodness of God is you start to feel like, wow, I'm soaring. Like, I feel light on my feet. I feel not as burdened. I really feel like he's underneath the weight. Soaring strength. The third one is I'll, I'll call Forrest Gump strength. Because, you know, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, he runs across America and doesn't stop. You know, it says uh, strength where you can run and not get weary. Right? Supernatural strength to run. It's trying to drive, a po- uh, drive home a point, isn't it? And then lastable, lastly, renewable strength. The scientific world has been going crazy, Right? the last couple weeks because of nuclear fusion. I've been trying to read a couple articles on it to just see what all the excitement's about. And these are the words that made me go, oh, okay, yeah, this is great. It's like harnessing the power of the stars. Potential to provide near limitless, safe, clean energy. Right? Renewable power like the stars. Well, I'm excited about but i got to tell you, I'm more excited about spiritual fusion. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, he goes, I pray that you would just be able to see. Again, not do. Do you not know? Have you not seen? I pray you would able, be able to see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. What does it look like? according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are someone that has put your faith in Christ, I want to ask you a question. Do you have enough power? Do you have enough power? Do you have what you need? You do because God has given it to you. It dwells in you. Do we not know, have we not seen the resurrection power of Christ in us for weary people? And the idea being saying here is that you'll keep putting on fresh strength. God can give us fresh strength, right? New wine, new manna. But how then, lastly, you know, what what do we do? Well, the passage tells us. All this stuff comes to those who wait. And that takes us to Advent, right? But it's more than wait. Some translations actually say those that hope in the Lord. You see, it's not enough to wait. Waiting really doesn't get you anything. You can wait poorly or well. But followers of God aren't just called to wait. We are called to hope. That's what we're doing. That's what Advent is trying to teach us. We are hoping and waiting. 
We're whooping, okay? Wangry people are whooping. This week, uh, in our lead pastor call, uh, Russ quoted uh, Cornell West, that quote that says, I'm a prisoner of hope. And I got interested in that quote and just wanted to read the larger part of it. This is it. Hope and optimism are different. Optimism tends to be based on the notion that there's enough evidence out there to believe things are going to be better. Whereas hope looks at the evidence and says, it doesn't look good at all. It's going to go beyond the evidence to create new possibilities based on vision against the odds. That's hope. I'm a prisoner of hope. I'm going to die a prisoner of hope. That's the kind of hope we're talking about. right? And we're not conjuring it. It's gone before us. It's gone well before us. Right? 2,000 years ago. And here we are, waiting. We're one day closer than we were yesterday. Let's pray. Lord, we, all of us living in this world, are weary, but I especially pray for um, those brothers and sisters that are feeling acutely weary today, really wondering, I barely had enough to even get here, and maybe those that didn't make it. But Lord, I thank you that you love the weary, you're drawn to the weary, you're not like someone that says, keep up or get out. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you teach us in this season. I pray for your blessing. I pray that we would know you and see you. And we would soar. In Christ's name, amen.